0: Well, good morning again, church, and uh, I can tell you it's a great joy to be with you guys again. Uh, I just wanted to say on a personal note, thanks for all the love and care that I received. My mum passed away, and then I got uh, the stupid flu that wouldn't leave me alone, and so I just had a, the staff and the elders just gave me a bit of time of rest, and so thank you so much for your patience and your love, really appreciate it, and I'm excited to be back in the Bible with you. This is my happy place in the Bible. So let me pray, and hopefully you've got this passage open in front of you, and we're going to look at it together. Let me pray. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Father, as we look at your Word, do a miracle. Will you grow faith in your people? Some of us here are long-time Christians. Some of us are baby Christians. And some people here might not be Christians at all. As we all hear the words of Jesus, will you help us to see? Grow our faith for your glory For our eternal good. Amen. Now, there are certain formulas that govern the universe. There are just some rules that you can't break. You can't change these formulas because they work. Uh, For example, Brendan was teaching me, and he was taught by Jamie Oliver, that if you're going to make rice, what you need is you need one cup of rice and two cups of water. There's the formula. And if you change it, it won't go well. Um, It'll come out runny if you've got too much water or stodgy if you've got too much rice. Now listen, I'm going on hearsay here because I just make toast. My point though is there's an easy example for you. There is a formula. Jamie Oliver says so. It works. That's an easy example, but... I guess I could also give you a very difficult example. And, and you know, th- this is just me showing off. But did you know that if you've got two objects, they exert a gravitational force on each other? And here's the formula. That's very simple. The force is inversely proportional to the square of the distance between them. See? It's as easy as making rice, really. Now, listen... you. You didn't get that formula, two of you did, but the rest of you didn't. It doesn't matter whether you get that formula or not. It doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. It's still true. You might be sitting there thinking, I don't believe in gravity. I think the earth sucks, or, or whatever you might think. But here's the thing, if you go up those stairs, and you stand up top there of that balcony... If you jump off that balcony, you will fall according to that formula. Whether you believe it or not, that formula is true. It exists. It governs the universe. You can't change it. It will affect your life. Is there a formula that governs the relationship between God and people? What, what exists between God and people? Is there a formula? Is there a the way that we as created beings live on this planet? What's the formula between us and God? And There's many ways of putting it, but I want us to look at the one that this passage deals with. Have a look at this in front of you. Here's the formula. Believing is Seeing. Believing is seeing. That's a formula that governs the relationship between an invisible God and you and me. And I want to suggest to you that the Bible, that big fat book, is a textbook on that formula. The entire Bible wants to convince you that believing is seeing. It began in the very beginning, obviously. God created Adam and Eve, the first two people, God spoke to them. He didn't give them an iPhone and He didn't give them any pictures. He spoke to them and He expected them to live in His world by His word. But this is astonishing. Would you believe it that Adam and Eve tried to change the formula? What they decided was no, 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 that's the wrong way around. This is what Adam and Eve decided. Seeing is believing. They changed the formula around. This is what the Bible says happened. Look at this verse. When the woman saw, look, look what's happening, that the fruit of the tree was good for food, pleasing to the eye, desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it, and she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. What did they do? What they did was they said seeing is believing. I've got God's word on audio, but I prefer video. I'm going to live by what I see, not by what I hear, because seeing is believing. And so they rejected God's formula. They created a new one, and it went wrong. It broke everything. The relationship between God and his people were broken. But it's not just Adam and Eve, it's the history of Israel. Look at this verse. God created a people, Israel. They were so privileged. Do you know why they were privileged? They had God's words. I mean, that's an amazing... They walked around with this box. And in the box was the word of God. I mean, how privileged is that? Now listen to what Moses says to them. The Lord spoke to you out of the midst of the fire. You heard the sound of words... But you didn't see anything. You saw no form. There was only a voice. Therefore, watch yourselves so carefully. Since you saw no form on the day that the Lord spoke to you out of Horeb, that's Mount Sinai, out of the midst of the fire, beware lest you change the formula, lest you act corruptly by making a carved image for yourselves in the form of any figure. Please be careful. Don't change the formula. You didn't see anything. So live by what God says. Don't try and live by what you see. Don't turn it into seeing is believing. Don't make something you can see. But they didn't listen. They broke the formula. The relationship was broken. And so in the end, God sent his one and only son into the world. And it's no surprise, when Jesus comes into the world, he confronts a people who have got the wrong formula. And he tries to reassert what God has said. So have a look at verse 48 in front of us. You can go forward there, thanks. Have a look at verse 48. Look what Jesus says. Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. What's Jesus saying? I've come to you from heaven, and you guys have got the wrong formula. You insist that seeing is believing. You want to see in order to believe. And you've got it wrong. Unless you people see signs and wonders, you'll never believe. You've got the wrong formula, says Jesus. And that's not the way it works with God. Now hear me out. You might not yet be a Christian here today and, you, and I'm so, so glad you're here. Listen, seeing is believing is true. When it comes to science, I'm not silly. Science works. Science is true. And in science, seeing is believing. All science is based on observation. Do, would you, I happen to believe there's such a thing as a black swan you know why? Because I've seen one. I've seen a black swan, so there must be black swans. That's scientific. That's observation. Are there such a thing as dinosaurs? Yes. Because we've seen the fossil record. We've seen skeletons. Is the earth getting warmer? Is global warming true? Yes. You can see what's going on. You can see that it's true. Science is based on seeing. Seeing is believing. But relationships don't work like that. Relationships are not based on seeing. Relationships are based on trust. Trust is the greatest gift one person can give another. Listen, in any relationship, if one person says to another person, Give me a sign that you love me. Tell me, don't you think there's already trouble in that relationship? Don't you know there's trouble already if someone needs a sign? In any relationship, if trust breaks down, the relationship is on its way out. And especially if there's a vast difference between the two people. Especially if there's a huge difference between them. Especially if the two people are not equals. Imagine this imagine a daddy and he's walking down the road and it's a busy road. Cars are going whoosh, 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 you know, and there's a little island in the middle, but it, it's a busy road. And he's walking with his four year old little daughter. And he gets to the edge of the road and he says to her, Now, sweetheart, listen to me, eh? Only walk. When I say, okay? Hold my hand. Walk when I say. Imagine if the daughter, four years old, looks up at her dad and says, give me a sign that you know better than me. Imagine that. Imagine the daughter says, daddy, give me a reason to trust you. It doesn't work like that. Now this morning, God your father wants you To trust him. He wants you to listen. Believing is seeing. That's what our passage is going to be about. And the saddest thing in our passage is that the people who you would have thought would get it right, get it wrong. And outsiders get this so easily. And I want to say as a church, to those of you who have been a Christian for a long time, you're not exempt from this challenge. Because sometimes it's the insider who maybe grew up in a Christian home who has been going to church for a long time. It's sometimes the insider who starts thinking, gee, I'd love to see something. Lord, give me a sign. And it's sometimes the outsider who, like the lady I was sitting to on an airplane, who you start telling about Jesus and they're just so interested already. It's just, it's weird. Let me show it to you from this passage. First of all, I want to show you how the outsiders believed Jesus. And this is where we ended last week. Look at verse 41 and 42. And because of his many words, sorry, and because of his words, many more became believers. These are Gentiles. These are Samaritans. These are the outsiders. Verse 42. They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. They believe without seeing anything. You you must realize how remarkable this is. These are Samaritans. These guys aren't even circumcised. And you know what? They believe Jesus just by what he says. Well, first of all, they believe because of the woman's testimony. They believe because of what she says. But that's not all. They then go on to hear Jesus and they believe him because of what he said. Now, picture the scene. Here is a dusty Jew. He's got worn out sandals. He hasn't got a halo, there's no dinner plate behind his head. He hasn't done any miracles. There's no miracles. He's been talking to a woman at the well. There's no cross. He hasn't died on the cross yet. He hasn't been raised from the dead yet. He's done nothing. But they've heard him speak. And they believe that he is the savior of the world. They've got the formula right. Believing is seeing. And verse 42 is the experience of many people here. You heard somebody tell you about Jesus and you believed. But I want to tell you, until you hear Jesus speak for himself, you will never believe. There is a belief and there is a convicted, convinced belief. You need to hear Jesus for yourself. If I can get a little bit uh, uh, personal here. This happened to me. I grew up, my mom was a Jehovah's Witness and she became a Christian and she told me about Jesus. Since I was yay high, actually I don't know how I was, but I was, actually, I, was, I was high when I was at university. But I don't know how high I was as a child. Anyway, so my mom told me about Jesus and I believed. I believed. But until I got on a yacht one day and I sailed a yacht from South Africa to Brazil, my mom gave me a Bible And I began to read, would you believe it, John's Gospel. And it was only when I heard Jesus for myself that I saw who he is. My mom made me believe. But it was Jesus who absolutely persuaded me until I heard him for myself. And I came to the conclusion, just like these Samaritans, that this man really is the saviour of the world. I arrived in Brazil in a town called Fortaleza. I was the first English-speaking person on the continent. <laughs> no, but that's what it felt like. And there were 200 million people. That's how many people there are in Brazil. And I walked around these streets thinking, well, my little Jesus is about this big. I come from South Africa. Jesus is a South African thing. But because I had heard him, I knew he's the saviour of the world. He's the Lord of Brazil. And I only knew that because I heard him for myself like these Samaritans. And this is what I love about Jesus in verse 42. Look at what they say. We no longer believe just because of what you said. And I want to challenge all teenagers and those who grow up in Christian homes. Get over it. You need to do this. Now we have heard for ourselves. That this man really is the saviour of the world. I love the way when you listen to Jesus. You get to see who he is. In other religions. When you listen. You get to see what you must do. In Christianity you get to see who Jesus is. And it turns out he's a saviour. Who does what you can't. The Samaritans got the formula right. Believing is seeing. Now contrast this with the Jewish people and that's where our story goes. Look at verse 43. After the two days Jesus left for Galilee. Where's he going? He's going back to the Jews. He's going to Jewish land. Now in verse 44 this is what we told Now, Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his own country. This is so sad. What Jesus is saying is, I'm going back to the Jews. And you know what the problem with the Jews are? They have changed the formula. They think seeing is believing. We looked in Corinthians a couple of months ago that Jews see. Seek signs. They want to see something. And this dishonours Jesus. Look at what he says. A prophet is, has no honour in his own country. I can't say this clearly enough. If you go to Jesus and you say to him, give me a sign, you dishonour him. What you're saying to him is, I don't believe you. Prove yourself to me. It is dishonouring to him. Now there's no question, signs will draw a crowd. If I levitated right now, church attendance next week would go up. Signs draw a crowd. So look at verse 45. When he arrived in Galilee, the Jews, the Galileans welcomed him. They had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, for they had also been there. A whole crowd has been drawn to him because they've seen the signs. But it's not the crowds Jesus is after. It's not the faith that pleases him. Look at this verse, which we looked at John's gospel last year. Look at this verse. Let me just remind you of it. While he was in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, many people saw the signs he was performing and believed in his name. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them for he knew all people. He did not need any testimony about mankind for he knew what was inside each person. Faith that comes from seeing is not the faith that Jesus is after. That's not the faith that will change your heart. Now this contrast between the Jews and the Samaritans is played out for us in the simple story you have in front of us in one man's life because you've got to think to yourself wow this guy comes to Jesus he says to him please come heal my son and Jesus is just so hard look with me at verse 46 he visited Canaan, Galilee where he had turned the water into wine and there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum probably a Jewish person when this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son who was close to death. I mean, there's nothing. Is that, is that so bad? Look at Jesus' response. Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. Oh, that's a bit harsh. Ah, what Jesus is doing is he's taking this one Jewish man's story and he's using it to teach us that believing is seeing. Let me show you how it works. Jesus is going to use this event to help us to see that believing leads to seeing. So, watch what happens. Watch with me from verse 49. The royal officials, first, 40, sorry, 48. Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. The royal official said to him, Well, sir, Come down before my child dies. Go, Jesus replied. Your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. And while he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, Yesterday, at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had spoken to him. And he had believed. And said to him, your son will live. So he and his whole household believed. Now, in order to understand what the Holy Spirit is teaching us, this is what I want to do. I want to compare this story with another story that is very, very similar. This is a Jewish official. Let's compare it with a Gentile official. And on the back of your flyers, you will see I've put this other event. This is a Gentile official. Have a look at it. What you're going to see is that the Jewish official, seeing, is believing. But for the Gentile official, believing is seeing. And watch how Jesus compares them. Look with me at Matthew 8 from verse 5. It's on the back of your flyers. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him. So this is a Gentile asking for help. Lord, he said, my servants, not his son. It's a different story. My servant lies at home, paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord. Lord. I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority. I know what it's like to have power. With soldiers under me, I tell one go, he goes. And that one come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this. He does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. And he said to those following him, Truly I tell you, I have found no one in Israel with such great faith. Wow. Can you see the difference? It's not hard. The Jewish official, if you flip back over, says to Jesus, Jesus, come to my house. You've got to come down to my house. Please. Jesus in verse 48 says to him, look at verse 48, unless you see signs and wonders, you'll never believe. Verse 49, the royal official says, whatever, just come down to my house, please. Whereas the Gentile centurion on the other side of your piece of paper says, don't come to my house, just say the word. The Jewish person says, I need you to appear. I need you to appear. Oh, if God would just arrive, then I'd believe. Just come, come to my house. The Gentile says, no, your word is enough. I don't need need you with me. I just need your word. I just need what you say. And look how Jesus compares them. Look on the other side of your piece of paper. Verse 10, when Jesus heard this, He was amazed. He said to them, truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Jesus praises the Gentiles' faith, believing is seeing, more than the Jewish faith, seeing is believing. Why? Why does Jesus prefer the other way? The answer is verse 8. Look at the humility. The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. I know my place. It's not my place to say, hey, you, prove yourself to me. I know my place. It's humility. True faith says, I am a four-year-old child crossing the road. I trust my father. I don't need him. To prove himself to me. Unless you become like a little child, you will never enter the kingdom of God. So, what's the first thing we learn from the Holy Spirit this morning? Without faith, it is impossible to believe God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith is humility in action, faith takes Jesus at his word. Believing is seeing. But we're only halfway. Because now I want to show you something amazing. There is something brilliant in this passage. Stick with me. Watch this. Didn't you? I'm sure you saw it. Look what happens in verse 50. Go, Jesus replied. Your son will live. I'm not coming to your house. You're going to have to take me at my word. Go. But look what happens. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. And while he was on the way, his servants told him the boy's living. And he finds out when. It was the exact time Jesus told you. And you believe Jesus' words. And the father realized. And uh, him and his whole household believed. Here's my question. Which came first? Seeing or believing? Which came First. Look at verse 50. The man took Jesus at his word. And what followed? He got to see. He believed Jesus' word. And then he got to see. What the Holy Spirit is teaching us here is that believing leads to seeing. Oh, Let me say that again. Believing leads to seeing. Here's what I'm trying to say. Okay, everybody, this this is what I'm trying to say. When you believe God, you will see. When you believe God, you will see see this is true for every single christian this is true for every single one of us here today if you believed god you would see him you say oh i don't know if god loves me i don't know if god loves me how long is winter going to carry on for It's so hard. My faith is so weak. You know what I think? I think God has forgotten me. My suffering, my troubles are proof that God hasn't forgiven my sins. Oh, he's still punishing me. And you know what, in all fairness, I do deserve it. And so he's nailing me. My troubles are proof that God is not for me. I don't know if he's against me. I think he's just lost interest. And when you're in that place, what do you want? You want a sign. You want God. God, please give me a sign that you still love me. God, come down to my house. That's what you're doing. But you don't need to see anything. You need to believe god's word again god says to you i love you i will never leave you i will never forsake you i will be with you always now if you believe that you would see it in your life if you believe that you would see it faith will open your eyes because believing is seeing. Faith will open your eyes and suddenly you'll look around and you'll say, hey, wait a minute. I can see it. God does love me. I can see it. I believe it. And I'm starting to see it. I look around me. There's a church. Wait. God has brought me to a community of people Ordinary people, brothers and sisters, all of them struggling. Every single one of them struggling, just like me. He does love me. He hasn't left me alone in the dark. There I was, and the devil was saying to me, "You're the only one." Look at all those happy, smiley people. You're the only one. God is short-changing. No. If I believed him, I would see I'm part of a community of a whole lot of strugglers. And they love me. And I love them. And together we can do this. My faith opens my eyes. When my eyes open, I look around and I look at my family. And I say, wow. I I couldn't see it because I didn't have faith. Now that I believe you love me, I look. Faith opens my eyes. He's given me a family. Warts and all. I'm not alone. It's a token of his love. But here's the most amazing thing of all. When you believe God, listen. When you believe God, you start to see your troubles differently. Hear me out. If you're sitting there saying, if my troubles would go away, I would believe God loves me, you've got the wrong formula. If you believe God loves you, you will see your troubles differently. You'll look around and say, hey, wait a minute. God loves me. Oh, wait. My troubles are good for me. My troubles are not a sign of God's absence. My troubles are a sign of God's presence. They're God's kindness to me. This is not the devil, this is God. God loves me because of the problems he's given me. When I believe in God, all my troubles turn into blessings. Ah, this is good for me. This is what my loving father is doing in my life right now because I believe he loves me. God is discipling me. God is growing me. God is Paying the utmost attention to me. My troubles are not the absence of God, but the presence of God. Listen to what the Bible says. Believing is seeing. Listen to this verse in Hebrews. If you believe this, you would see it. Friends, have you completely forgotten? Have you gone back to the old formula? This word of encouragement that addresses you as a father, addresses his son. It says this. My son... Do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Don't lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines the one he really has got it in for. No, the one he loves. He chastens everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as as his children. Troubles are when you believe God. Troubles are blessings. Get the formula right. Believing is seeing. If you believed God, you would see things as they really are. Your troubles are signs of God's love. In our growth groups, we're studying the book of James. Look at this verse from James. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work. Stop grumbling. So that you may be mature, complete, not lacking anything. I'm going to resort to poetry at this point. Listen to John Newton. This is a verse from one of his hymns. He puts words in God's mouth. Listen to this these inward trials i employ from sin and self to set you free and break your schemes of earthly joy so that you may find your all in me oh, now let me say it in english for the docker supporters <laughs> this is what god says these Inward trials I use to set you free from your sin and yourself. And I break your schemes. You got these schemes, boy. You know, you've got the. I break those schemes of earthly joy so that you will find your all in me. Here's the point believing. Is seeing. The more you hear Jesus' words, the more you believe them, the more you will see God in your life. Until you believe Jesus, you're not going to see God in your life. And as long as you wait for a sign, you're not going to see anything. Let's close with this last thought. Because the story is not just about believing is seeing. There's one final thought. And here's where we come closer to the point. It's also about life in his name. Look at verse 50 and onwards. Well, why don't we just jump quickly to verse 53. Then the father realized, look at verse 53, that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will... He'll have an easy life. Your son is going to have such an easy life. He'll never have a worry again. No. Your son will live. And so he and his whole household believed. What is the outcome of believing is seeing? What is the outcome of taking Jesus at his words? And the answer is life. Eternal life. Life. The man believed Jesus, and as a result, there was life out of death. This is a picture for us of what the great benefit is of taking Jesus at his word. It is life out of death, life that goes beyond the grave. This is why Jesus came to die so that you don't have to. You will go through a physical death. But death will not hold you because Jesus wasn't held by death. And this, folks, is the point of this morning's passage. And there's only one point. That's why I've saved it to the end. Here it is. Jesus' word is all you need to believe him and have life in his name. It's so simple, eh? That's all it is. That's what this whole passage is about. This is the point of John's gospel. Jesus' word is all you need to believe him and have life in his name. Look at the very last line of our passage. Verse 54. This, this healing of the Jewish officials as son. This was the second sign Jesus performed after coming from Judea to Galilee. John's gospel, as you now know probably, is arranged around seven signs. John's gospel is seven signs. They're all there for you. Why seven? Because seven is a perfect picture. John's gospel is a perfect portrait of Jesus. You don't need anything else. You've got seven signs. And the point of those seven signs is to make you believe. That's all you need to believe. Look at the climax of John's gospel. This is how John's gospel ends. Look at this verse here. Go back one day. Thank you. Thomas says to Jesus, my Lord and my God. That's the climax of John's gospel. That's why we as Christians believe in God. Because he was here. It's Jesus. Then Jesus told him, because you've seen me, you have believed. It's not not a bad thing. Blessed are those people in Perth, 2016, who have not seen and yet have believed. Oh, but how am I going to get there? I want to. I want to. How am I going to do it? Look how Jesus carries on. Well, how John's gospel carries on. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. These seven are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. The greatest sign... Thanks, Igor, you can go. The greatest sign is the death and resurrection of Jesus. The Samaritans didn't even get that and they believed already. We get it because we're in 2016. We're looking back. Jesus Christ died on a cross for you. You have no reason to doubt that God loves you. I don't care how bad your car is. I don't care how cold winter is. You've got no reason to doubt that God loves you because you've got the sign of the cross. Jesus Christ lived the life you should have lived. He died the death you've deserved. And he rose again in your place. Now seriously, Why would he lie to you? Why would he hold back on you? All that bad stuff that's happening to you are just tokens of his love as he's growing you. If you believed it, you would see it. I love uh, this hymn by Fanny Crosby. We don't call people Fanny anymore. But that was her name. And she was blind. Blind from birth. And this is what she writes, perfect submission, perfect delight. How can you be happy when you're blind? I mean, really? Well, she can. Perfect submission, perfect delight, visions of rapture burst on my sight. But she's blind. Ah, because she lives by the formula. Believing is seeing. If you believe him, you will have life in his name. You will die, but after you die, you will rise again, and faith will turn into sight. You're a four-year-old daughter. You're standing there on a busy road, cars just flying past. you got your hand in your dad's hand. You're standing there. When will you see? Well, if you believe him and you hold on, And you go through those cars. Things you don't understand. You only fall. They're so big. They're so... They're going past. You're frightened. You get to the other side of the road. You look back. I can see it now. He loved me. He looked after me. But I can only see it after I've believed him. Believing leads to seeing. On the other side, I will realize with my own two eyes, that all along he loved me and he was looking after me. The Holy Spirit says to you this morning, believing is seeing. Jesus' word is all you need to believe him and have life in his name. Put your hand in his hand. Cross the road. It's okay. He's in control. I'm going to give you a few moments to think about those things and then I'll close in prayer. Lord, we live by faith, not by sight. But it won't always be like this. Father, as the hymn goes, Lord, tis for thee, for thy coming we wait. Lord, haste the day when our faith shall be sight. But until then, keep us believing. Keep our faith strong. May we be a people who believe without seeing. Because your word is true. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. They say there's questions. I want to believe, but my heart just needs to see with my eyes before I can believe. What can I do? I love it when I get asked to preach an entire sermon again. So let's go. (laughs) No. (laughs) Listen, I'm I'm only hoping and praying that you texted that question in early on in the sermon because that's what the whole point of the sermon is. If you believed God, You would see. Now, wait a minute. Where does belief come from? You say, if I believe God, I would see him in my life. But how do I get that belief from? It's easy. You just need to be like the Samaritans. You need to hear him for yourself. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. You need to go back to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You need to just sit with those books and say, Jesus Can I hear you for myself? Please do it. You'll see. You'll see. You'll be preaching the next Sunday. Amen. Regarding the formula. Trying to understand how it relates to John 20, 30, 30, where John says the signs of Jesus, including the one you spoke on recorded, are to generate belief. How do I understand how the formula relates to the passage? And brilliantly, God has given us signs. Actually, today is communion. And I'm going to show you a sign that God has given us. It's not that there's no signs in the Bible. If you read the Quran, there are no signs. God has given us signs. What I'm trying to say is those signs are written down for us. And that's all there is. And they're enough. Why? Because those signs are the word of Jesus. They are his own authentic testimony to his signs. So they relate perfectly. You never saw Jesus walk on water. You never saw that. But it's a sign. It's written in Jesus' words for you. See, that's how they relate. What would you say to someone who's experienced a miracle? Like a sign or a wonder. And that's what grew them as a Christian. I want to tell you I've experienced a miracle. This morning, I drove at 60 kilometers an hour and I got here safely. So I, I believe in miracles. This is what, what am I trying to say? Why do you think your miracle is a miracle and not the rest of your life? I believe in God behind every bush what I'm trying to say is when your faith comes alive and when you believe God you'll see miracles every day all day you think one thing oh God is there whoa but he's not here because that's just brushing my teeth whereas here it's all God the more you grow in faith the more you will see God everywhere if you go down Mitchell Freeway and you survive it's a miracle it's all God now I'm not hammering this person. Did God do something special in your life? Yes. I'm not knocking you. I want to say he did more than that. If you had faith, you would see he did more than that. Every day is a miracle. Every day. Every day is a miracle. Peace. too. If we have trouble, don't you think it's good to question... It's a result of God's discipline. If it is, then to question the sin, God is disciplining you. Absolutely. You know, God does discipline us. And you could have sinned and God's smacking you to say, don't go that way. That's not my point. My point, though, is that it's in love. He's still loving you. He's still caring for you. Just because he does discipline and no discipline is pleasant ever, it's still out of love. You're never allowed to go, he stopped loving me. That's my point. You've got to go, oh, that hurts. Gee, you love me. Oh, that hurts. Whoa, you really love me. That's what you've got to do. How can the love of Jesus make our life easier and happy? Because a little faith will take your soul to heaven. A lot of faith will bring heaven to your soul. That's why. When you, if you could walk on this planet... Every step thinking there is a God who utterly adores me. Nothing will be too hard for you to cope with. Nothing. What will get to you? If you know this thing, ouch, is from a loving father. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. Don't look at your money and your health and think that's necessary from God. View everything as part of his grace to you. I think we better call it a day there. What we're gonna do is we're gonna I'm gonna give you a sign. Here's the